1: Russians hack the Democratic National Committee. Investigation continues into apparent jihadist inspiration behind the Orlando nightclub massacre. North Korea appears to have engaged in a long-running campaign of cyber espionage against the South. The mole rats' failure to clear document information may have unmasked them. Vautrak improves its game but continues to be distributed via malicious macros. Shadow apps place enterprises at risk, and application collusion is a problem for mobile users. The Angler exploit kit seems to have practically vanished, replaced by Neutrino. Symantec's acquisition of Bluecoat fuels M&A speculation, and the price of that Windows LPE zero day keeps dropping. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your Cyberwire summary for Tuesday, June 14, 2016. In news that began breaking shortly before noon today, the Democratic National Committee says that it has been hacked by Russian intelligence services. The spies have been in their network since last summer. The DNC noticed signs of trouble in late April of this year and eventually hired security company CrowdStrike to investigate and remediate the intrusion. DNC Chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz, a representative from Florida, said, as quoted in the Washington Post, quote, The security of our system is critical to our operation and to the confidence of the campaigns and state parties we work with. When we discovered the intrusion, we treated this like the serious incident it is and reached out to CrowdStrike immediately. Our team moved as quickly as possible to kick out the intruders and secure our network, end quote. CrowdStrike is said to have found two threat groups in the DNC's network, which they're calling Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear. Cozy Bear, possibly an FSB operation, that is the descendant of the KGB, that's the one that's been monitoring DNC email and chat since last summer. Fancy Bear, also Russian, and in CrowdStrike's view, clearly GRU, which is to say military intelligence, is the one that tripped the alarm when it arrived this April. Fancy Bear is said to have stolen documents and to have obtained access to the systems used by the DNC's entire research staff. That research prominently includes opposition research on presumptive Republican nominee Donald Trump. And this is the compromise that's attracting press attention. How the attackers got in is unknown. CrowdStrike cautiously speculates that it was spearfishing. We spoke to StealthBits Technologies' Adam Laub. He offered this perspective.
0: The interesting part about it is it seems that the Russian hackers themselves haven't been the ones rattling around inside the DNC. It was really their monitoring of somebody else who had done the the hacking to begin with, a Romanian hacker, um, but they got the information almost by accident or secondhand uh, as a result of monitoring somebody else. Anything having to do with American politics is of interest to Uh, other nation states that perhaps aren't uh, big fans of the United States and even potentially our uh, allies. I I think that given the current events uh, around the uh, political campaigns being run here in the United States uh, and potentially the opportunity to affect the outcomes of those campaigns by, um, again, nation states that, uh, again, aren't particularly enamored with the United States and our policies uh, would relish the opportunity to have information that would uh, lead to um, an outcome of their desire.
1: The story is still developing, but one thing that struck us was that the Russians seem to not do a whole lot to try to cover their tracks. We asked Adam Laub about this, and he said he didn't find it particularly surprising, given the players.
0: Anything with the uh, the Putin administration, uh, bravado is at the core of uh, much of what goes on from a a news perspective. Um, You look at the, I think it was the G8 summit last year in Australia, Putin pulled up a couple warships. Uh, off the coast of Australia, just to flex his muscles a little bit. Um, this is no different uh, in terms of uh, claiming responsibility for for having this information, uh, whether they did obtain it themselves uh, through their own uh, techniques, or were or, uh, nation-sponsored uh, hacking organizations, or whether they did get it through uh, this other well-known Romanian hacker that they had been following and obtained information from.
1: That's Adam Laub from StealthBits Technologies. The investigation into Saturday's massacre at Orlando's Pulse nightclub continues. A look at the shooter reveals, retrospectively, a history of online jihadist radicalization, giving some point to ISIS claims of responsibility for the murders. That responsibility, as is typically the case with ISIS operations outside the dwindling territory under the caliphate's control, is a matter of inspiration. The civilized world has yet to find the right information operations to deploy against ISIS, in part because ISIS messaging is so alien to the marketing understanding prevalent among its opponents. The self-declared caliphate doesn't promise jobs, health care, education, or ease. Instead, it promises righteous rule, justice, meaning, and transcendence. And it does so with a message of death. Omar Mateen, the shooter, was twice interviewed by the FBI, once in 2013 and again in 2014. He was also, problems and all, deemed employable by a physical security company. Thus, U.S. investigators, especially the FBI, have come under considerable criticism for failing to stop the shooter. He's being called a known wolf. But much of the criticism seems wayward. It's difficult to see how any of the warning signs so clear in hindsight might have given probable cause to watch or detain, still less prosecute, Mateen. It's also worth noting that with respect to inspiration, intra-Islamic squabbling among competing jihadist groups seems not to matter much. There's evidence Mateen, while unable to distinguish ISIS from al-Qaeda from the Taliban, caught the common underlying call to jihad clearly enough. Outlines of the long-running North Korean cyber campaign against South Korean enterprises become clearer. The DPRK's hacking seems to have aimed principally at espionage. News reports highlight theft of some aviation design data from cooperative U.S.-Republic of Korea combat aircraft programs, but also as data destruction – 42,000 documents are said to have been destroyed. South Korean authorities say that the stolen data wasn't especially sensitive, but there are widespread concerns that the long-running campaign was battle-space preparation for some larger, more damaging operation. In fairness to the DPRK, we must note that Pyongyang denies the allegations and denounces them as a provocation. Injustice to common sense, however, we must also note that signs point to Pyongyang. A bit more has emerged on how the mole rats, Palestinian hacktivists operating from Gaza and elsewhere against Israeli targets, were uncovered. Clear Sky reports that apparently one of their malware developers neglected to clear the properties of a Word document they were using as a vector. According to Sophos, Vautrak, a banking Trojan that's been in circulation for some time, is picking up new capabilities, mostly improved evasion and obfuscation, and new target sets. The Trojan is typically distributed by email in the bogus guise of a U.S. Postal Service invoice. It uses corrupt macros to deliver pony malware. App security worries enterprises, especially since apps loosely construed are the biggest part of shadow IT. A study by CloudLock Cyberlab reports that since 2014, shadow apps have increased by a factor of 30 on corporate networks. The study classifies 27% of third-party apps as high-risk, opening enterprises to exploitation by attackers able to impersonate legitimate users. McAfee Labs has been taking a look at mobile apps in particular, where they see an increase in the risk of collusion, a situation in which attackers use two or more apps against a target. The common outcomes of successful collusion are information theft, financial theft, and service misuse. There are other noteworthy developments in the black market. For some reason, the Angler exploit kit appears to have fallen completely out of favor, its former business having moved, for the most part, to the Neutrino kit. Why this has happened remains something of a mystery, especially given Angler's recent upgrade to evade Microsoft's EMET security suite. But malwarebytes reports that spammers have essentially abandoned it, and that ransomware purveyors are shifting to neutrino. In the legitimate cyber sector, Symantec's announcement of its acquisition of Bluecoat prompts m and a speculation about CyberArk a potential acquisition, Checkpoint, a potential buyer, FireEye, a potential acquisition and a potential buyer, Imperva and Proofpoint, both potential acquisitions. Mantec is acquiring the computer network operations practice of Ocean's Edge. Finally, that flashy, splashy Microsoft local privilege escalation zero day that hit the black market on May 11th continues to drop in price. Initially offered at $95,000, the crooks have already knocked it down to $85,000. Still pricey. You can get a building lot in Laurel, Maryland for $85,000. But the discounting suggests some marketing problems. Maybe they need a catchy name. May we suggest bounder, squatter, carpetbagger, or occupy windows as possibilities? Discuss among yourselves. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. Joining me once again is Ben Yellen from the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben, I saw an article in Motherboard recently about a decision a judge made that that makes it a little harder for the FBI to use hacking. What can you tell us about this story?
2: So just a little bit of background. uh, The FBI was investigating a person named Jay Michaud, who was a Vancouver public schools worker. And Michaud ended up being arrested in July of last year as part of uh, the FBI's investigation into a website that does child pornography. It's called Playpen. And the investigative technique the FBI uh, used to gain evidence was that it hacked into Playpen and took control for it for uh, a couple of weeks back in February of 2015. They actually ran the entire site from a government server and employed... uh, what they called a or what's called a network uh, investigative technique, or NIT, which is just a piece of malware that reveals uh, the information on the site's users. The FBI used evidence gained from this hacking technique to bust this person who was trafficking in child pornography. This was the evidence that they were going to use to prevent a trial, and a judge just ordered the FBI to reveal, the full code used for this hacking. The FBI refused. Uh, the FBI didn't wanna reveal its methods. And the judge held that if they didn't uh, disclose their method of hacking, then evidence would not be permitted. And this might allow you know, a criminal, someone who traffics a child pornography to go free. So it's a very significant decision. The Justice Department is, is fighting this order, asking the judge to reconsider. Uh, but it could have very wide-reaching implications. This is a very, very effective tool for law enforcement to catch some of our worst criminals, uh, traffickers, child pornographers, uh, it could definitely be, it's a tactic that could be used in terrorism cases. And judges are recognizing that unless the FBI details its method of hacking, they can't be sure that the hacking has gone beyond the parameters of the original search warrant given to the FBI. Uh, to conduct the searches. So I think this could have uh, a very significant and potentially detrimental effect on law enforcement going forward.
1: All right, Ben Yellen, uh, interesting story. We'll keep an eye on it. Thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers,